You know, in a time before uh, podcasts, they used to have like radio hosts to do the same job for more money. It's like a podcast you can listen to in your car. Yeah. Yeah. If they can come up with a way to listen to podcasts in cars, then that shit's going to become obsolete. But Wait, can you pause the radio? Um, probably. I guess it pauses itself for ads, but... I mean, if you couldn't, probably no one would buy it because it would be stupid. It's true. I think you can pause it because the waves are still in the air. It's like how a smell lingers in the air for like half an hour. I think if you drive slower, the waves will reach you slower and you can slow it down. If you if you plug your ears while you're listening to a song and then and then unplug them, the song starts uh, from where you plugged your ears. You know. Have you ever been <laughs> you know, driving and then uh, you're listening to the radio and as you speed up the car, the song speeds up and the tempo speeds up because you're getting the radio waves yeah, faster. And the, and the, and the, the announcer's voice gets higher and higher. Yeah. <laughs> like earlier we were talking about that Flaming Lips album where you have to play four CDs at once to hear it. Someone should make an album that uh, is designed with the Doppler effect in mind. So you have to keep speeding by the radio <laughs> to hear it correctly. How are you supposed to listen to that album in the car? You have to listen to it in four cars and you and your friends all drive side by side at the exact same speed. Yeah, it's encouraging dangerous mm-hmm. driving where you have four people with the windows down uh all with the stereo cranked up, just driving in parallel along I mean, a four-lane highway. People would be on TikTok taking like viral videos of doing that, so it'd actually be even better today than it was then. It's punk. It's a it's a punk rock record. It encourages breaking the rules. Yeah, it encourages making your music a chore to listen to for the fans, which is punk. It's very punk. But I, we have a few radio announcers we wanted to talk about today. Uh, I mean, I th- we got to start with the most well-known and annoying one on Twitter, Eric Alper. I don't even know what caused... Oh, actually, you know what? I think I went down this rabbit hole because of this other guy that you brought up, Dan, uh, Randy Bachman. So we're going to have to just yeah. talk about both of them sort of intertwined. But the more I was reading about him, the more I just felt like browsing Eric Alper's Twitter feed. And the more that I just dug into his past... Because I basically don't know anything about him besides his Twitter presence, you know? Um, yeah, me neither. And the only reason I know Eric Alper exists is because um, uh, famous online Dracula Tom um, constantly retweets him. Yeah, and clogs my feed up. Yeah, he retweets uh, Tom, his who's questions. Too good to do this episode. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing some bullshit like painting a house or something, or like going on vacation. Yeah, some kind of lame excuse he just made up. I gave him 30 minutes notice, like, hey, do you want to do this episode? And he said he acted like I was the bad guy for asking him to, uh, you know, grow his brand. What would Eric Alpert, if I asked Eric Alpert to be here, he would show up and he would ask us questions like, what's the funniest movie you ever saw? Because he's a serious brander. Tom's lazy. Uh, He doesn't have what it takes to podcast. The only thing he can do is stream and all he can do on there is watch someone else's content because he doesn't have what it takes. It's a fun bit to retweet those question accounts. Like Eric Alper, who, uh, I guess if you haven't seen him, he does questions like, what's a song you heard? Yes. What's a band that has more than one album? And it gets 20 trillion quote tweets. I saw one the other day. It's like, what's a band with a lot of members? Who's, a guy, who's a guy that sings? And it, it, yeah, it's fun it's to just so retweet funny. those without quote tweeting or responding at all. <laughs> yeah. Originally, That's I would do that with Nicole though. Cliff. Like, 
Oh yeah, she was, yeah. Cliff. She was yeah. like uh, the original Eric Alper. She sort of pioneered doing the bullshit questions for engagement farming. But uh, Eric Alper does like the down market version of that, where it's not like who's your favorite uh, romantic poet. It's like, uh, what's a Beatles song you know? Yeah. yeah, it's the very bottom of the barrel you could possibly hope to reach. But it works for him because he gets just an insane amount of engagement off of those. But actually, that's what I wanted to get into is we need to bring this full circle with what is his actual job really, you know? Um, yeah, what does he do? So one thing that's interesting, Dan, and a crossover with your own life here is that for 18 years, he was the director of media relations at Entertainment One Music Canada. Oh, my fucking God. Really? <laughs> yes. When did he stop doing that job? Um, let's see. The sources about him doing that on Wikipedia are from 2016, so I would guess like four years ago, but that's just me kind of like coming up with a okay. quick answer. Okay, so he was working at Entertainment One while I was on that record label. Yeah, like sort of the beginning of you being there and the end of him being there. I'm just going to search my email for a second here. Yeah. <laughs> you have an email from years ago. Uh, what's your favorite band? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's um, a bass player you couldn't live without? But yeah, Entertainment <laughs> One, uh, me and Dan have talked about this in the past because it's a Canadian conglomerate that famously uh, bought Operator's record label and also owns Peppa Pig distribution in Canada. So Yeah, and, and then, and then uh, ended uh, its incredible run by being purchased by Hasbro. Yeah. <laughs> A fitting end for such a giant conglomeration. That Peppa Pig content, that Peppa Pig IT, it was too tasty a treat for uh, Hasbro to uh, to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> they probably wanted the Eric Alper name, too. They should make an operator's toy. They really should. Do they still <laughs> own the records? Uh, yeah, they, t- <laughs> they do. <laughs> they should make Funko Pops. <laughs> That would rock so hard. I would love that. They could make um, they could make their investment back, considering they didn't press very many of our albums and didn't try very hard to sell them. So. <laughs> I hate those like mid period uh, corporate consolidation company names like iHeartRadio and mm-hmm. E One Music, where like it it hadn't fully settled into the thing where they uh, take a common word and remove the vowels. Yes. Or just call it Glorch or something. Yeah, But it wasn't like when everything was called like McCluskey's. Yeah. Listen with no vowels. I mean, iHeartRadio was Clear Channel, but they just got so much negative press about payola and stuff that they changed to iHeartRadio. Yeah. Howard Stern was always ripping on him. But iHeartRadio is such a bad name. Oh, yeah. Who's I? The company? They heart themselves? Yeah. It's like kind of self-absorbed. Dude, I guarantee Just call it you Clear the, Channel. Who cares? Some marketer made six figures explaining to them why it's a great name. It's going to make the listener feel engaged, like they're using the first person. Do you know the name of the guy who founded Entertainment One? What is it? Darren Throop. Ah, uh, Darren Throop. They should have just called it Throoper. That would have been a great company. Entertainment One, as far as I can tell was a um w- was basically like started as a like schlager music label like a bad like german and belgian pop label that then started buying up like uh 
you know, buying up records and buying the masters for records in the United States. But they really made a shitload of money because they got the DVD distribution rights to the Twilight series. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. That's when the Entertainment One brand started rocketing towards the stratosphere. And they absorbed um, Last Gang Records, which was the record label that operators originally signed to. Yeah. So we were we were on them we were on Last Gang for two successive corporate takeovers. One by E one and then one by um one by Hasbro. They bought Death Row Records. Oh like what year did they do that? Uh two years ago. Yeah. Or no, they, they filed for bankruptcy in 06. And then E1 bought it in 2012. And then in 2019, Hasbro bought E1. So yeah. now it's a toy company. But anyway, uh, Suge Knight's probably going to kill you for having something called <laughs> E1 now. E1 was producing a lot of like documentary content about Death Row Records because they... Um, because they own the IP and the, and the catalog. Oh, is that where those movies came from? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, there was sudden, like, kind of out of nowhere, there was a revival of, like, 90s rap, um, like, uh, narratives. So, uh, with Eric Alper, then, he spent 18 years there, and then he set off to make his own company that's just, like, named after himself. But while he was uh, doing PR for those previous 18 years, he worked with an assortment of artists that includes Randy Bachman, that's relevant for later, oh Ringo Starr, Slash, The Wiggles, Snoop Dogg, The Smashing Pumpkins, Ray Charles, Sinead O'Connor, and Sesame Street. Wait, when did he work with Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> Um, it's it's going to be pretty telling about whether he's good at his job or not, depending on what years of her It's another one that was, was retrieved in 2016, so before then for sure. But okay. He was the one that soured yeah. her on the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> listen, sh- listen, Sinead, you're going on Saturday Night Live. Uh, I got an idea. Look, you see How this do you feel guy? about the Pope? I know you're Irish, but... So basically, he also has a serious XM radio show, but he mostly just does like independent PR shit, I guess. And that's where it kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier of like, he gets so much fucking engagement by just asking people like, what's the scariest movie you saw, you know? Um, and then I'm on his actual website though, for his PR company. And he's doing these articles about Hootie and the Blowfish doing some broadcast next month, you know? So clearly they're his client right now and he's trying to hype this broadcast. So if you go on Eric Alper's Twitter today, he's tweeting about it. And uh, how many likes do you think that got? I can't really guess because um, I have it open. I was about to bring that up. I would I would say probably low hundreds. Uh, 12. <laughs> when I was looking at it earlier, it was 11. I kept refreshing like, is anyone liking it? Nope, but we're up to 12 now. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's weird. Because he has uh, three quarters of a million followers, so you would think he would have natural engagement, yeah. but it's his astounding to get twelve likes that. on that. But then he posts, he posts, uh, who is one band or artist you think deserves more attention? With one hundred and twenty-five retweets and four hundred and fifty-seven likes, and then directly under that, he just posts the birth of Cool Miles Davis, and it is just the photographs from from the birth of Cool. <laughs> Like, 
this is so kind of like the, this is kind of like the thing of like this is the Twitter uh, Twitter version of like the jazz reissue review, you know, of like of like or you know Ornette Coleman, ten out of ten, like perfect. Record. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has their addictions in life. Mine just happens to be music. See, and how many likes does that get? Because that's going to get less than asking a question for him. Right? Fifty-eight retweets, four ninety-nine likes. Yeah, it's not as much as if he had asked just like, you know, what's your favorite album cover? It's stupid, oh, especially uh, juxtaposed with the Miles Davis thing, who was like notorious yeah. for heroin use. Like, was he not addicted to music? Did, yeah. did you like music more than Miles Davis and that's why you had to do heroin? Like, it, it just yeah, makes no sense. I don't sense. like this shit I'm doing at all. I need the drugs to make it interesting. I what is your music. favorite song from the 1960s? <laughs> God damn. See, that's even stupider than anything I could think of. Like, he truly does have, like, the right brain to be asking the dumbest questions imaginable. Yeah, that's so... <laughs> oh. I love it. Size Gangnam Style has now surpassed 4 billion views on YouTube. Listening to sad <laughs> music when you're feeling sad can actually make you happier. <laughs> All right. Shut the fuck up, man. That's so weird, because... That's like a uh, ghetto Homer stuff. Like automated <laughs> yeah, totally. account, just teen yeah. girl yeah. things. Absolutely, celebrate. But he also gets into success mindset, automated account type tweeting with uh, celebrate your progress. It doesn't matter how big or small you are getting there, and way to and way to go. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> See, I wish I what knew more about like his personality, because. It's obvious, like, it has to be to some extent, like, just directly cynical. Like, he knows he's just farming for retweets, right? Like, it's not I like he's, so. I don't think he's, like, so happy go lucky that he just thinks this stuff is whimsical because he literally retweets the same question again and again and again and again. Like, it is cynical for sure. I, my, I just like, but, the, but then the, uh, what is the other interpretation of it? That he, that he thinks he's some kind of like PR fucking genius? Yeah, that's what I'm know? thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I and, think that that's right. But then you look at his Hootie and the Blowfish tweet with 12 likes and it doesn't seem like the strategy really works. Or does it because Hootie and the Blowfish already paid him and he doesn't care? Or is it just that like if you were a white dude who got into like uh, the managerial class, this type of managerial class of the music industry at a certain era, like you can literally tweet like a bot and, and get, you know, and be, and be a PR guy and still get paid a lot of money to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And no one, no one is ever going to be like, you are a moron. But I think like, that he thinks he's good at it, right? Yeah. I just want to point out that he said, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish is one of America's most beloved bands. <laughs> Great PR, dude. Which I I know they're paying him, but <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and it's posted through Hootsuite too. Ooh, famously named for them. Yeah, it was uh, invented suite. by Darius Rucker. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, that uh, that kind of proves that it's all automated. And I think most of his posts are randomized because some. Yeah, it's like. Today in 1973, Dr. Hook and The Medicine Show got their picture on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Like, shit like that. Like, that probably yeah. posts at the same uh, time every year. Yeah. Yes. People have screenshotted him before of his, like, clickbait questions that he he does have some of those on just, like, a yearly loop, and he's been doing them for the last four years. 
Which actually thinking about it more now, four years ago or five years ago is when he left Entertainment One. So mm-hmm. he definitely uh, like adopted this approach to posting around that same time. Because when you look for those uh, viral posts, there's a copy of each one going back each year for like four or five-ish years. I'm just watching these auto-update. I have who is one band or artist you think deserves more attention pulled up. And I see the likes yeah. going up, but not the retweets or the comments, just the likes. So there's someone out there that sees that question and doesn't answer it and just hits the heart on it and moves on. Which because they, is like, blowing they my like mind. thinking about it. <laughs> like, damn, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know actually. I think every band has adequate attention, but I appreciate that you're posting. So yeah, just to bring this point home, uh, I looked up the "Who Is One" band intro to the sentence, and he's done that seven times in the last year. But there are like slight variations on it, like. Who is one artist you think deserves more attention? Who is one artist you can't stop listening to right now? Who is one band or artist or song you think deserves attention? Who is one band or artist you feel is completely underrated? Who is one band or musician you can't stop listening to right now? Who is one band or musician people would be surprised you're a fan of? So, like, there are slight variations on it, I guess. I was hoping you were talking about the thing that said today in 1973, Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Like, he posted (laughs) that every single day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got some good boomer stuff on here too. Like he's got uh when you saw this on the TV, it was time to go to bed, and it's just like uh the test pattern screen, and it has 296 likes. Okay, he's not that old. And 28 comments. Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> he's probably because 50. Because because right underneath it, he posted, I'm this old, and it's the uh, Atari 2600, like, connect to the TV, connect to the game or computer, uh, you know, like, audiovisual uh, connection box thing. Yeah, he's not a boomer. So he's, he's, like, old, I guess he's, like, maybe oldest, like, Gen X or something. I don't know. Oh, this is good. Shout out to all the musicians out there who create and get their songs out there. <laughs> comma, comma. Not even knowing if anyone will hear them and actually connect with an audience. That is barely a sentence. That's very cool. 367 likes. I love it. That's like so many of – the only posts of his that really go viral are the questions. Because like for having over 700,000 followers, you should have way more like – shit going on here there's a really good response to this which is yes and thanks to twitter i've discovered norwegian metal band white void (laughs) (laughs) uh and i think what's especially ironic is if you go to his uh, pr company's website and you go to their about page which is called who it is exclamation point which seems also (laughs) very awkwardly worded just like those last couple tweets um, it begins, this is the guy behind the ad-free blog. I am not used to routine, which is how I like it. Well, I mean, his Twitter feed kind of says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he is routine. He's a one-year loop, repeating endlessly. Yeah. This is good. This is, He's got a meta question here from March 25th. What is a great song that asks a question? Cool. It's so cool. That's a really good question, man. I can't think of one. There should be a song called Eric Alper. The cast of Friends going to Las Vegas before the show aired. Their director told them to go as their lives would never be this way again. That's not (laughs) even music. 
Neil Peart's handwritten lyrics for Rush's The Spirit of Radio. That's kind of self-serving, I think. Mm-hmm. To pick the song about how good radio is. <laughs> Fucking asshole. His tweets just lack the joy of... Even something like Metalhead Zone, there's so much joy and uh, passion in those headlines. But the, the stuff that he's posting on his uh, PR site is so joyless, you know? Like we were saying with the Hootie and the Blowfish one, it's just like such a beloved band. It's like he's not even trying, you know? Yeah, I, I'm scrolling through his feed and I can feel my brain shutting down. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just white noise. It's incredible. There's no personality behind it. I would not want this person doing PR for my band. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there are That's couple, what's so insane. Like, There are a couple where he's talking about Justin Bieber and people get mad at him. <laughs> giving facts about how many albums Justin Bieber has sold. Someone replies, can't wait until real talent and music like the new Evanescence album takes that spot. Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it is funny, though, because he made three tweets in a row all in the same hour that are just variations on the same thing about Justin Bieber. It's like his song Peaches is the fourth song to debut at number one on the Hot 100. Then the next one is just like Bieber joins only BTS and Taylor Swift in having debuted at number one on both the Hot 100 and the Billboard 200 simultaneously. And Bieber like, joined BTS? Just... That's crazy. Yeah. First white guy to ever do it. <laughs> yeah, the, first, the only white boy to ever do it. <laughs> the only white boy crazy enough to join BTS. <laughs> but like it's all, all these tweets in a row are just various extremely boring factoids about the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> I like this I like this photograph he posted it's just it's just text and it says good music you've heard it a thousand times before and still it never gets old 200 <laughs> likes like, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> like, just stuff you like it never gets old like not even any specific music just music in general he Food, could have just it phrased it as old. a question of how many of you have heard good music? He would have gotten way more engagement. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of any. But like, I wonder how, I mean, it makes me really wonder how popular his Sirius XM show is. It's probably just exactly average, right? I don't think there's anyone who's like an yeah. Eric Alper fan. All his engagement is just based on being so insanely stupid that people will just say a name of a band as a quote tweet, you know? Like, no yeah. one cares about what he's promoting. That's why it's so funny that he... Oh, oh, actually, another thing that he points out in his bio of himself on his PR website is, I've been a six-time nominee for Publicist of the Year during Canadian Music Week and a 16-time Juno Award winner overseeing PR campaigns. He's, he's, uh, he's at Canadian Music Week this week, or this, uh, this year, rather. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I think he does all of them. I think he does it every year. What a surprise. Canadian Music Week is, is fucking funny. Like uh, this year they're, uh, I think they're, I think they're doing it virtually and they are literally charging people $200 to apply still. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so cool, man. So cool. I'd be Gonna stunned. It. Like he's the first person I would expect to be there every year though. Like he's. That's his his uh, scene, you know. Yeah, that's that's the waters that he swims in, you know. And when he says sixteen-time Juno Award winner, overseeing PR campaigns, what he means, right, is that 
16 people he did pr for Juan junos is the f1 junos yeah like yeah. so he hasn't done necessarily anything yeah because there i don't think there is a juno award for best pr campaign <laughs> yeah. that's otherwise otherwise charles your record would have been nominated yeah <laughs> for this for this year's juno yeah the latest d1 is very good it's very good that's everyone like, like and subscribe you got to go check it out you How won. far could you stretch that if a band that you've done services for has won a Juno Award? Like, if you've been the ticket taker at a venue, or if you, like, help them load up their amps on the tour, or something like that, or if, you, <laughs> yeah. like, are, are you allowed you to say up? you have the award? Like, a if Grammy you're winning a roadie uh, who worked with I'm, uh, Like, did you I'm win an Oscar say. if you were a production assistant on a movie set? You can, I don't think you can say that. Actually, I've made that joke about myself before because, uh, you know, Branson became obsessed with win winning a Webby and technically Groupon won a Webby when I worked there. <laughs> so in theory, I am a Webby award winner by the criteria set out by Eric Alper. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, man. Thanks. I think we worked really hard for it, but at the end of the day, we deserved it and the team brought it home. I gave uh, Tim from Arcade Fire a banana once, which means that I technically have won a Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> and a Juno. Actually, wait, they, didn't, no, they didn't win a Juno until their like, third album or whatever, but that still counts. Yeah, that's right. I am a Juno and Grammy award-winning um, artist. Banana Every guitar hander. company should do that, too. And synth company? Yes. Like, uh, Gibson mm -hmm. should just say every single album that's won album of the year that has a guitar on it, we won that. And Fender. It's got to be one of the two, probably. Yeah, 40-time 40, 40 Grammy winner Fender. Or even Microsoft or Apple, if they used a computer to make it. <laughs> like Steve Wozniak has done more personally to help that happen than Eric Alper, doing like auto automated tweets. Jägermeister has won an uh, incalculable amount of Grammys. Uh, including every Tommy Lee release. Yeah, Tommy Lee and the Ride, best album, 2005. <laughs> yeah. I, like that's not that far of a stretch for the grammys but i wish it was true yeah oh yeah <laughs> it probably did win like best hard rock album or something it was like them like him and the foo fighters <laughs> Ooh, so uh i'm just scrolling down to the end of eric alper's uh who it is about page who and, it is um uh he says i love to talk about music if you're looking for a commentator for your media outlet please be in touch Oh, see, I made a mistake of texting Tom if he could do tonight. I should have just asked Eric Alper directly. Yeah, we're a music outlet. Yeah, he says he hopes to hear from us soon on the website. Some of these are just so weird. Like, there's a screenshot of a news article that says, Jap Japan Museum takes care of lost stuffed toy for 30 years, still hopes to find its owner. That has nothing to do with music or anything. I think that's him, I think that's him trying to be, like, internet relevant, right? He's like, what would people post? I guess so. It's just or more a likely his thing. his intern trying to be internet relevant, but it didn't do yes. very well. Did you speaking of interns and uh, internet relevancy? Did you guys see uh, the U.S. Stratcom tweet last night? Yeah, there was just a bunch of gibberish. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then just basically, please do. Uh, what was it? Please ignore this tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then the and Canadian then, one was trying to be funny. Yeah, I fucking hate 
that the whatever the little weasel is that runs that account, little bootlicker. I fucking hate that guy. It's Eric. Could Alper. be Eric I mean, Alper. Yeah. It could be Eric Alper. Yeah. Just like Juno Award winner, Nobel Peace Prize winner. I worked for a government <laughs> that won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> yeah. And Eric Alper tweeting from that kind of account would just be, "What's your favorite country?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. What is your favorite bombing campaign? Yeah. Anyone says like North Korea, you block them. Yeah. Fuck off, troll. I guess you're right. If they're if they're forcing him to be a little bit more propagandistic, it's like, uh, what are you most happy about uh, seeing when freedom returns to Yemen? What are the five coolest things about sanctions? Or is, but it's got to be spun in such a way of just like, uh, don't you, are you excited to see the Iranian people freed from their oppressive uh, government? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's a Madeleine Albright decision from the 90s that holds up today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite Dulles brother? <laughs> the Canadian forces uh, in U.S. tweeted back to Stratcom, these things happen... This might even happen to to you one day. It's okay, folks. I love that positive attitude coming out. I'm sure they can't be doing anything bad in the world. No, it's like the Simpsons uh, thing. Uh, no one who speaks German could be a bad man. That's how I feel about that. Like, oh, no one who's that polite could do anything wrong. Exactly. Apparently that guy's old job was doing PR for the Air Force. Cool. Like, like during our engagement in Afghanistan. <laughs> So when the CBC is like, uh, did you guys vaporize a bunch of uh, villagers? Uh, that was the guy that they talked to. This kind of makes me feel better about Eric Alper because at least he stays in his lane of just asking the dumbest questions about something that's ultimately like politically insignificant. It's another thing to step into the political realm and be like the guy who gets Godsmacked to sign on to your recruitment commercials or whatever. Like that's a whole more yeah. cynical world, you know? Why doesn't the Air Force do PR by having those signs behind the planes? <laughs> or are they doing it online or with press releases? Just have planes going around all the time with a big banner behind them being like, we're bringing medicine to Africa with these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Food drop. <laughs> we're helping. With the, with the Canadian Forces account, I can't – I mean, he's done some interviews, but I can't tell whether – our government is paying for him to do this shit or whether he's just such like, like there's just nothing in his head and he's like, this is a good idea. I need to do this. I'll help. I think that when there's a financial incentive for you to do something like that, a lot of people will feel like, well, it could be a lot worse, you know? Yeah. Like, well, speaking of working at Groupon, it's like most of the people I worked with there were at least in the editorial department were smart enough to know we don't even like being here and we hate what we're doing, but it could be a lot worse. And I think that's probably how you feel in that kind of position. I'm not happy about being here, but at least I'm not like directly killing people. That would be a lot worse. You know, like you, you like rationalize mm -hmm. it to yourself when you have a financial incentive to do it. You're saving people yeah, money. True. Average working Americans who just want to get a massage and they want 10% yeah. off. That was my thing working there was just like, it's basically a wash. Nothing... It's like we weren't doing that much harm. to. Any I guess it is different uh, when you're working for like a, a state department like that, where it's like you are definitely doing more harm to people. But you as the individual person who's tweeting aren't really. So that's how you like justify it to yourself. 
Well, I mean, that was my rationality when I worked at PyGlobalCom.com uh, selling uh, fake business-to-business directories and fake internet listings to small businesses in America. I thought, <laughs> okay, uh, you know, some people could see this bad, this job as morally wrong and bad. But then again, I'm helping uh, the son of a very wealthy Saudi family prove himself to his parents. Yeah. <laughs> That was my boss. It's, but it's like, scammers, it's right. scamming you know, you, scammers. You do it anyway because you feel trapped within it where you're just kind of like, all right, well, I could do it for a while. They would do it to you if they had the chance. Yeah. And they exactly. would. Exactly. That mom and pop pizza place in like uh, Dubuque would be uh, would be ripping me off. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I've worked for enough small businesses like that to know that they are not morally above yeah anyone with more money not yeah. scrupulous either yeah. yeah yeah they'll the pitch they'll steal your wages the, if they want the pitch on that scam was amazing was just basically calling small businesses and being like hey are you guys on the internet and they'd be like what and you'd be like oh shit oh no you're in big trouble <laughs> you're losing <laughs> out on a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun actually <laughs> eventually um like I didn't do much sales at that job. Eventually, they were like, uh, "You're doing great. We're going to put you in in charge of um, accounts, like like making sure people paid, you know, the money that they promised to pay when they got scammed." Yeah, which I did a terrible job at. Um, but they gave me an office with a door that closed and a computer, and I just did all my work for uh, promoting Wolf Parade. Hell yeah! There. Oh, nice. You were in yeah. the first uh, generation of guy to do exactly that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a classic de- uh, thing. I also downloaded the, uh, I believe, the second Strokes album. Yeah, hell yeah. While I was there. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. That's sort of the legalized version of the scam where someone in India calls you and says, they do some weird sequence of things where they get on your computer with a remote sharing thing, and then they like open a fake bank account. Or they, they have you open your bank uh, in the browser, and then they edit the page in Google Chrome to look like they put money in your account, but they put too much. So you have to drive to the store to get gift cards. <laughs> and then you that's give a, them the, lot... the gift cards. And that's it. It's all the same thing. Yeah. That, that's just a more complex version of uh, calling somebody and asking if they'd like to renew their subscription in the Midwestern b- internet business directory. Yeah. And then them saying, we, we don't remember doing that. And you saying, are you sure? Everyone's in there. And they're like, okay, here's $500. Yeah. If anything, that one, Alex, is too complex. Yeah. I, I guess it works, though. There's a guy... I. I forget what his name is. It starts with K. He's on YouTube, and he just gets those calls somehow and tricks the guys and like shows what they do on the computer. That's such a huge industry. There should be a genre, like a subgenre of scam rap aimed at like the professional managerial class or just super rich people, because like your scam rappers are always just telling the average person how to like crack cards or do some kind of like you know basic scam that anyone could do. But there needs to be like, you need to start a company that does these specific things and rip off these small businesses, you know, like we need the next level of scam rap. Yeah. Like tax avoidance or yeah, hiding money start in the a shell company. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I would listen to that. It's going to make me smarter. People should rap about the phone scams, about the ins and outs of it. 
say, like, I sent your grandma to get gift cards. $50 Target <laughs> gift cards. That's pretty, yeah, yeah, like a just a rap about how to be a Nigerian prince, basically. Uh, one thought to get back around to Eric Alper, though. Can you imagine him ever making a song? Like, it would have to be the most formulaic <laughs> cookie-cutter thing ever, begging for attention, like... I mean, obviously, the funnier thing to imagine is that the lyrics are all questions, like his own account. Yes. But I have a feeling that it would just be, like, by-the-numbers, radio pop, zero personality, just, like, please, please. It would sound like Chicken Foot. I was listening to Chicken Foot yesterday for some reason. <laughs> nice. What the- so that's Chad Smith, right, from Chili Peppers? Yeah. Who else is in that? Sammy Hagar, uh, the bass player oh. from Van Halen, and Joe Satriani. Oh man! And it's such, it's like very basic mainstream rock about how rock and roll is good and how cool it is to rock. (laughs) I think it would sound like that. It would be like by the numbers. It would be very, uh, very optimistic. It would be about how rock rules. Did they really convince Satriani to not overplay every song? He does a couple solos, but it's. I'm not going to say tasteful because it's not at all tasteful. <laughs> uh, I'll say restrained. Yeah, that sounds about right. Restrained. The restrained firepower of Joe Satriani. <laughs> Shockingly restrained on the Chicken Foot album. He got nerfed in the latest patch to Satriani. The main problem is that the lyrics are too horny. They're saying sexy oh. and stuff, and they're, you know. How old is Sammy Hagar again? Uh, like 74. Nice. <laughs> Horny grandpa. That's actually that should be a genre of like seventy like seventy plus year old rockers doing nostalgic horny songs. Yeah. And like it's implied that a young person is gonna be horny. But an old person you never know, so they have to remind you constantly. Just just reminding reminding you that they're still horny and reminding you that rock and roll is still alive. Paul McCartney should do a song about circle jerking with John Lennon. Yes. Dude, honestly, uh, by the Eric Alper principle of anything that gets the most engagement is good, that would be the biggest thing Paul McCartney's done in like almost 40 years if he did that. Like, I would fucking listen to that a lot. Yeah, I'm imagining yeah. it as like a great song like uh, When We Was Fab by George Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> Just like completely when we, was, when we Was Fab is more like it. Yeah, you know? When We, when <laughs> we Was Fab. There's the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, I want Eric Alper's job now. I'm the PR guy now. Yeah. So someone else who's looking for a job, though, is uh, Randy Bachman, which you brought up, Dan. Another uh, Canadian <sighs> radio kind of legend. Although, at least Randy Bachman has the musical cred that Eric Alper doesn't. Because he's I had guess. one-hit wonders in, like, three different projects, at least, it seems like. Randy fucking spent all that cred uh with his long running now canceled uh just transmission from the black abyss of like the boomer soul which is uh his radio show vinyl tap it's called randy's vinyl tap um and i'm personally very glad that it's ending because it was frankly like a fucking embarrassment that cpc let it run as long as it did it's like the definition of a vanity project. I, I know it has its fans, but essentially the show was 
loosely based around very broad general topics like the Stratocaster guitar and songs that featured it or like um, Fender songs with Fender stuff in it, you know, like <laughs> Fender, every Fender every rock song. like, yeah, like, uh, songs with drums, songs with drums. Yeah. Just basically, basically that, um, the early episodes had his wife on them and they were, I can't tell whether they are better or worse than the later episodes, but they were, there was like a special kind of unlistenable where she would come on and like, he would, he would, it's hard to explain. It's so stupid. He would throw out a word like, you know, like funk. And she would be like, Webster's Dictionary defines funk as they do the Webster's Dictionary bit. And then, like, he'd play the songs. And it, as the song was fading out, you could hear him playing on, like, an unplugged electric guitar along with the song. Oh, and no. then he, Yes. <laughs> God. Yes, yes. Why wouldn't and they then just he plug would tell it in. plug it into the board. I I don't know. And then he would tell a story about like he would tell stories about like how because he was a he was like a he was like a B list character in the 1960s. So he's met everyone, right? He's met all these people. Yeah. That wrote well, the we great- should reiterate uh, his last name is Bachman, and uh, he was part of Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah, and before that, the Guess Who. Yeah, they oh, American did. American uh, Woman. See, he has so many one-hit wonders. Yeah, it was American mm-hmm. Woman. I thought he did All Right Now by Free, but that was uh, Paul Rogers from yeah. Bad Company, who were sort of parallel, like uh, proto butt rock '70s detritus band. And you guys were telling me earlier that Tal Bachman, the She's So High, that's his son, right? Yeah. Which I think is yeah. better than anything his dad did. I agree. Yeah, that's a great song. He did. He did uh, like "Baby, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet" and uh, "Famous," famous for uh, taking care of business. Yeah, those are the two songs that he had. Yeah. I remember once uh, in Florida, we were in a rental car, me and my family, um, and we were listening to the classic rock radio station. And they were doing this segment where they would play two songs of an artist and call it like double mm-hmm. play or something. And they yeah. did Bachman Turner the Overdrive. Tuber. Yeah. And uh and I said, This is the perfect band for that because they only have two songs that anyone knows. And my mom said, yeah. They have more than two songs. Come on. And I said, name a third one. There you and go. She couldn't. <laughs> Fatality. Owned. And then she's like, all right, we're turning the car around. <laughs> all right, I'm crashing into a, uh, a guardrail. That's it. Fuck you. <laughs> That's it. She mentions the Guess Who song, and you're just like, wrong. wrong. I hope that um, you were actually listening to Randy Bachman's Canadian show somehow in Florida, and he was just putting his own bands in there. And uh, oh, that was uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive. Up next is the Guess Who. Yeah, he just goes <laughs> back and forth over and over again. Hopes people stop listening or get out of the car. Florida is the is is the perfect environment for uh, Randy's Final Tap. I feel like Florida and um, British Columbia, where he would broadcast from. He, he was in Salt Spring Island, on Salt Spring Island, which is uh, between the island that I grew up on and uh, the city of Vancouver. So, um, and filled with rich boomers. I think Phil Collins has a house on Salt Spring as well. Nice. But, um, yeah, I was scrolling through his Twitter feed and I found 
probably like the most telling tweet. It's just the purest expression of of Randy Bachman's boomerness. And it is a video of like the most teched out hot tub I've ever seen. And it says, after a long COVID wait, my hot tub has come. I will be soaking away the aches and pains from so many years on the road every night before bed. Anyone else enjoy a nightly soak? Hashtag happy. Hashtag hot tub. Hashtag relax. Hashtag home. Hashtag rock and roll. Man, that's Hell some yeah. weak Eric Alper energy, though, of just uh, yeah. anyone else enjoy a nice soak? And then 10 hashtags. He's not doing it on that pro level. I just noticed it's a TikTok. Up. Is it a TikTok? <laughs> yeah, it has the TikTok watermark on it. Oh, Randy Bachman has a TikTok. How Randy many Bachman are... official on oh, TikTok. Man. God, that's so funny. So the article on uh, Toronto Star says he's 77. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that he says the aches and pains from years on the road. Like, that's, it doesn't matter what you did when you're 77, you're going to have aches and pains. Yeah. Yes. It's just that yeah. he's obsessed with reminding you that he was in Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. I don't think Randy's been in the van for a while. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's been a long time since he was, he's flying to those shows. So there's yeah. a really poorly written sentence in the Toronto Star article about this of, Bachman will host a farewell special on Canada, Canada Day before shopping the show and its catchy namesake. Not sure what they even mean by that. To other uh, broadcasters. Vinyl tap. <laughs> yeah. Is that a the show and its catchy names? That's the same thing. The show is its name, and the namesake isn't catchy. It's just a stupid pun. Like, well, I don't know what the fuck they even mean by that. But anyway, Masterful to other price. broadcasters or revamping it in a podcast format. So really, it just kind of comes a full circle here of like, these kind of shows are basically just podcasts now anyway. Yes. And that's like, you know, he can continue it infinitely as a podcast. Doesn't he play music though? Like you can't just make a podcast where most of it is copyrighted songs. It's like letting, yeah, letting Stairway to Heaven play and <laughs> going to the bathroom. <laughs> so you can so do he's basically revamping his own show by taking out the one listenable part of it, which is where he plays greatest hits of the 20th century. And just the only thing left will be about the time he met a guy who was more famous than him. Yeah, that's like she uh, puts it in context in a good way here of like, uh, instead of playing Stairway to Heaven, the actual song, you can just listen to him play it on guitar for seven minutes. And then talk for 30 minutes about meeting them one time. Actually, maybe that's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) When did Vinyl Tap start? 2005. 2005, I see. Him and his wife got divorced in 2011. Okay, I guess that's why she's no longer on the show. Yeah. I thought it started right after that, but I guess it was was earlier. And, I mean, okay, look, for anyone who's... (sighs) who's listening and is being like, Dan's being really mean about like a nice old man. Who's like a, a pillar of the Canadian music industry. Uh, you like, I grew up in British Columbia and people like Randy Bachman are an absolute plague on that province. And he represents sort of the, the Ur boomer, like the, the top of the pyramid, you know? So I'm fine with Randy. Like, whatever just continuing to be a canadian media presence until he dies just like he doesn't need a he doesn't need a show give someone else the show 
I'm going to play the uh, role of a Canadian who's offended by your opinion of a, well, if I had a loony for every time I heard that uh, type of uh, stuff about Mr. Bachman, I think that uh, Canadian <laughs> music uh, would not be in the place that it's at right now. And uh, I think that he gave us taking care of business. And uh, if you have a problem with that, well, I would bet my bottom loony that uh, you, you never, you're just jealous that you never had a, a single like that. You don't know what you're talking well, about. <laughs> Randy Bachman's fantastic. Those, those are both like fantastic. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty accurate, guys. We're, we're becoming Canadian ourselves by just having done this show enough now. <laughs> look, I look, look. I'm sorry, guys. I just think Randy should just fucking hang it up, eh? Just like fucking go smoke a dart, like whatever, you know? Yeah, he needs to smoke more cigarettes in the hot tub. Yeah, I found one tweet that I actually like from Randy. Yeah. Oh, and one of the top reply is uh, Deb, who I saw earlier. I was searching at CBC Vinyl Tap to see if anyone was mad that they canceled it. And she was one of them. Oh, she's a Randy Bachman reply guy. Yeah, I guess so. But it's a picture of him in a big, like, parka in 1946. Growing up in hashtag Canada, hashtag weather <laughs> is a natural part of hashtag life. It made us hardy and tough, no complaining. You did things no matter the temp. School slash work never really closed. Hashtag grateful for a no-frills hashtag childhood that set the stage for hard work and a good attitude. Randy Bachman was talking about the feeling of having his show canceled. And he said, it's like somebody saying, I like your new haircut. And you go, thanks. And then he hits you over the head with a shovel. <laughs> that's what it's like i guess so i don't see how that's relevant or how yeah so he, well it's because he felt that his show was really popular so i guess the feeling that his show was popular was like someone complimenting him but then it says then later it is... that he's the 11th most popular show on cbc music and not in the top 20 for cbc radio one in general it actually made me think what is the top 20 of cbc radio one because it can't be good Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a bunch of gar. I mean, even if you think about the American equivalents of something like that, it's all got to be pretty bad. I'm doing a what I'm, I'm rethinking things now. Now I think, you know, it's it's good for Randy to get away from the shackles of our uh, state broadcaster and get his podcast and just like stretch his wings, you know, privatize, spread his wings. Yeah. Let the private sector yeah, handle it. Get on yeah, this is a big win exactly. for the private sector. He needs to hit up Eric Alper. Yeah, to promote his new podcast. Oh, here's a great one. Made myself a little oil and vinegar to dip my bread in, and look what happened. <laughs> Hang in there, everyone. Better days are coming. And it's like a vague, smiley face with the I oil and the thing. Hashtag, hashtag happy. Hashtag smile. Hashtag motivation. Hashtag calm. Hashtag good. Hashtag things. <laughs> Hashtag stay strong. <laughs> Looking up it the looks, hashtag at things to find some good, good shit about things. The oil smiley face looks vaguely like the acid, like acid house smiley face. It's very good. <laughs> All right. I, I have a more positive view of him than when I started. Yeah, me too, actually. He's, yeah. Yeah, I feel feel kind of bad about my harsh criticism earlier. Yeah, I still think the sh they, I still think the show needs to be canceled. Yeah, exactly. He needs good, to go his own way. I mean, how long would he be able to do it? 
biologically. Well, he is 77, so... Like, two more years? Just let him play it out. Yeah. I like uh, going down a couple paragraphs from where I was at earlier in this article uh, when he was scandalized by getting canceled. He's also making an appeal to why they should keep him on Saturday nights on CBC. And he's like, all the young kids are out Saturday. It's the adults who have dinner who are home with the grandchildren, he said. Actually cannot argue with that. So I think he's trying to bring rock and roll to the grandchildren uh, is his argument, I guess. <laughs> he's trying to He's trying to create a new generation of rockers. Yeah, he said, this isn't a show, a radio show. This is a cultural event that goes on every weekend. I've always wondered how people know which radio shows are popular. Like FM radio or AM radio. Right, because there's the because you can't there's no comment, there's no chat. <laughs> like, like you don't know what people are tuned into. I don't know if they have one of those boxes. What is it? Nielsen. Yeah. I've never heard of that being attached to the radio. So is it like how many phone yeah. calls they get? Or is it actually um I, I guess we didn't mention this, but he said uh that there were a lot of written letters to CBC. About how the yeah, show should were, be on. I think they might have been written letters to him personally, and then he would have would have sent them to the CBC. <laughs> that rock yeah, doing like so a real life forward, yeah, putting it in a new envelope and then sending it out to the CBC. Which is like children's letters to Santa. CBC's trying to cancel Santa Claus, and then uh, they bring in all the letters that were written to Santa that year. You can't cancel them. This 10-pound package of letters sent to me says otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he's not uh, involved in, like, anything political enough that he could get in on the cancel culture thing. Yeah, that's one good thing about If I Randy. was his Eric Alper and I wanted to increase his engagement and his reach, I would say that. I would say, look, they canceled him. They literally canceled him. Just, uh, it's because he's white and then he would get yeah, on breitbart and it would be a big thing randy as far as i know is one of the rare boomers uh who like hasn't been q-pilled um he doesn't have insane uh opinions about immigration or covid you know he and i think it's because he's so singularly focused on rock and like his experience in the world of rock so I'd say that's definitely a point in his corner. Yeah, but on the other hand, his defense earlier of uh, this is a cultural event every weekend, I think he should be more honest of, I just want to play guitar in the background of this song from 15 Well, that's ago. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that doing this. Yeah. I've been doing it every week. Just let me keep yeah. doing it. or It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess up my bedtime. It's going to mess yeah. up my <laughs> meal schedule if I don't come into the studio. And I like yeah, the toilet just, better there than at my house. Exactly. It's just pure fucking boomer entitlement. Um, so in Randy's case, he's feeling entitled about like his radio show. But in the case of his listenership who live in British Columbia, they feel entitled about things that have direct negative impact on uh, everyone else's lives around them. And that's why Alex is right that he could pivot to like the cancel culture thing uh, by using taking care of business of like these socialist don't even know the first thing about business. I wrote the song about business and taking care of it. 
taking care of business was actually uh first it was titled taking care of small businesses and then they had to shorten it yeah <laughs> the a and r was like this won't play on canadian radio we got to simplify you need to make it more universal randy <laughs> it can't just be about your friend's boat dealership and the man who gave him that advice was none other than Eric Alper, who was probably That's like right. eight years old at the time. The Simpsons bit about that song was so good. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> where Homer says, play taking care of business, and then they start playing it. And he says, get to the part where they stay working overtime. Like yeah. heckling them to get to a different part in the song yeah. is so funny. Really good. I know. I love it. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, we're going to have to see how Randy Bachman does out there on his own. Because mm-hmm. Eric Alper's already paved the way. He's been on his own for about five years now, and it seems like he's doing... It's working for him because he's not getting results for his clients, it seems like, but uh, he's getting a lot of engagement. So he's got, he's the, Eric, Eric Alper is doing the thing uh, he put off for years, which is doing PR for Eric Alper. You know? Exactly. It's called, it's called self-care, man. Yeah. It's, and he is doing a masterful job of that. So at the end of the day, it's wrong to criticize him because I think uh, if we're honest about his priorities, he's doing fantastic. What is your favorite Eric Alper tweet? Probably the one I saw where it's a picture of Rosa Parks sitting on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> no particular who's day, your favorite, just auto Who's posted. your favorite Rosa Parks. Uh, bus sitter of all time? <laughs> <laughs> who's your favorite civil rights activist? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you're right. Actually, that's the way to be more popular than it. I guess it's getting back to Nicole Cliff to bring it uh, full circle there, but just like doing the political version of Eric. But I don't know. It has to be even just uh, nonpartisan, too, of just like, what's your favorite political speech? Yeah. Dream blunt rotation. And it's like Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, Himmler, and, <laughs> to be uh, fair. Ant- and Ante Pavlich. Yeah, you got to be fair to all sides. <laughs> But well, I invite, so there's two people on this show who I would invite to come on. One of them is Eric Alper and one of them is Tom. If either one of you have what it takes to defend your behavior online to the three of us, then feel free to come on anytime. Or Randy Bachman. And whoever come, or Randy Bachman. Yeah, if you need to plug your new podcast. Actually, if Randy Bachman comes on this show, Alex, I think the question that you always ask is going to finally get answered. Have you met Dave Navarro? Probably That's not. True. You don't think so? I, I think don't know. You, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to look real quick here. We came so close uh, with Emily where she said everyone else has met him. We're getting closer and closer to Dave Navarro. I feel like that day is coming. I would love to have what? Harry Ferry on. <laughs> And ask him if he's met Dave Navarro. <laughs> hmm. It's funny when I when I Google Randy Bachman Dave Navarro, what comes up is uh, the Dave Navarro ar- archives at ericalper.com. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. he's met him. So his yeah. SEO game is on point to Eric Alper's credit, apparently. If he was doing PR for Dave Navarro, that's impressive. Because he has reach for a guy in like a third tier '90s alternative band, like he's. But I don't know that Eric Alper is creating that for him. I think he's got that natural charisma, and Eric Alper is just climbing to the top. He's riding on that Navarro train. That seems like about the best uh, 
summary of the whole episode we could end on though that eric alper fucking comes up on google for that yeah absolutely so i guess we should close by saying what was you guys favorite moment um Hmm. My favorite moment, I think I have two. One was when Alex reminded me of one of my favorite Simpsons bits. And then the other was um, when my heart opened up a little bit to Randy Bachman. And, uh, and, I, and I started having some empathy for him. Yeah. Well, that, that raises another good question for the listeners of what's your favorite Simpsons bit? Probably when Bart says cowabunga, dude. Oh, they actually are having Bob Seeger on. I saw that on Eric Alper's feed. <laughs> See, we all learned something I by checking why. his feed. So. Uh, who is that for? <laughs> like, who is The Simpsons for in season us. 31? And it was who, for us because we're talking about it now. We're giving <laughs> him what he wants. Is he fucking Bob Seeger? <laughs> <laughs>